Good morning, everyone. Goedemorgen. I am uh, Lennart. I'm Dutch. Maybe you already hear that in me speaking English. Um, I'm married to Maria, sitting here at the front, part of this church since the beginning, and we love it. It's a great privilege to be part of it. And it's a privilege this morning um, to just speak to you and to just study the word together. That's what I want to do. I want to study it together. It's, for me, it's a study as well. It's something that we need to discover as a church, as individual, but also as a church, discover what it is. What is this truth about? How does it change us? How does it affect your life as individual, but also how does it affect lives corporately as a church? I mean, God has a plan. He has a plan with you as an individual, but also a plan with us as a church in this city. There we go again, guys. Two weeks ago, I was just changing everything on the stage, but I'm not going to do that this morning. But we are in this series, uh, what Matt told about, on the Lord's Prayer over the last few weeks. And it has been great so far. So this is, I'm going to finish this series. Um, but maybe we can turn to Matthew chapter uh, 6. And the words are on the screen, I believe. And let's start reading at verse 9. It says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Today we're going to focus on and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But let's just close our eyes. Let's invite him to come to really speak to us that we have an open heart. Lord, we want to thank you for who you are. We want to say this morning, Lord, worthy is your name. Holy are you, Lord. Lord, we want to see you as you are, Lord. We ask for your Holy Spirit right now. Lord, fill us, open our eyes, open our hearts. Let us stand in wonder again, Jesus, of who you are. Lord, we wanna see you as you are. We wanna see you as the high king. We wanna see you as the glorious God. We wanna see you as the one who rules and reigns, who is the highest authority. Lord, we, we know that everything under you, Lord, is just it's, it's created by you, Lord. You are the one who creates. You are the one who brought things into creation, Lord. And we want to lift your name up. We want to worship you this morning. Help me, Lord. Help me when we read the scripture together, when we study this, to reveal the truth, the depth and the richness in there. Lord, we ask that in your name, Jesus. Amen. While I was preparing uh, this message, I made a lot of use of this book, Life in Christ by Martin Lloyd-Jones. It's great, it's, it's, it's a very big book. It's a lot of pages, but it's so full of truth. How are we, what does God call us to? How does this Christian life, how does it work? And sometimes, and it says this, and I quote it. So as we, as we pray this prayer that Jesus is teaching us, I wanna, I wanna say this, and I think it's, it's so helpful and it's, 
yeah, it's, it's provoking in, in, in some way. And it's talking about the word of God. And Martin Lloyd Jones says this, thank God the Bible always faces things as they are, even at their worst. That's why to me, a psychological use of the Bible is a misuse of it. Because the Bible is not only concerned simply to ease a situation, but it has a strength and a power. It is concerned about courage, but in terms of its own truth. So it looks at the world as it is, at its worst. People say, oh, why, that's depressing. Well, if it is depressing to you, it is because you do not accept the teaching of the Bible. <laughs> to be realistic should not be depressing to those who think straightly and clearly. This, the Bible, is a realistic book. And that's what we believe as a church. This book is not just to ease situations. It's not just when we have trouble, oh, you know, this or that, let, let, be encouraged. You know, God loves you, be encouraged. It's true, it's great, it's true, but we believe that it has a power, it has a, a strength to change the situation, not only to ease the situation. And especially this morning, when we read that last verse, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For, for some of us, evil is, is a word that we, we don't use that often, but we believe, like we prayed in, in the first bit of the, of the prayer, your kingdom come. We believe that we brought into a new kingdom. God provided us a new kingdom. We, we, we are saved because of the cross of Jesus, and we now partake in this kingdom. We're part of his family. But there is another kingdom as well. There's still another authority, and he's defeated already. And that was the moment. I was the prince of Egypt. I had the authority. I probably had the power to say, hey, guys, it's, it's over now. The, we, we, we're going to uh, take them in. We're going to be one people. We're going to solve this problem. We're not going to use the Israelites as slaves. It was the perfect position for him to be in, to actually have authority. And still God has had a plan to deliver these people out of Egypt and to use Moses in that way. But before he actually uses Moses, he just spent a lot of time watching sheep and being in the wilderness. The wonderful thing about the word always, the Bible always gives, when there is a question, it always gives the answer somewhere. And even when it raises a lot of questions, it will give a lot of answers. So when we look at 1 Corinthians 10, it says this, God is faithful and will not let you be tempted beyond your ability but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you will be able to endure it. That's wonderful. So God, there, there, there will be times of testing, there will be times of trial, but there will always be a way that God said, okay, this is now, this is what I give you, this, this is what you, what you are able to. He will never go beyond your ability. 
God has a plan and he wants, God wants to get you where he wants you to be. And during that time, there will be many temptations, there will be trial, there will be testing. But it's not to put you in a position of discouragement, but it's to build up faith. It's to build up this personal relationship that you also know, yeah, but God, I am dependent on you. I can't do this. I need you. I need your deliverance. I need your power. God delivered us already. We, we believe that Jesus died on the cross. We sung about it. Who breaks the power of evil and darkness? It's Jesus. Because of the cross, it's broken. It's dealt with. The evil hasn't, uh, Satan hasn't have power. When you really tr put your trust in God, when you really put your trust in Jesus, his power just is gone. So he delivered you out of darkness. He brought you in the light. He brought you in a different kingdom. Do you know... Uh, what is it called? A maze? Is it a maze? Well, you already, uh, sometimes uh, on a festival, they, they have this big maze. You need to walk around it. Or like an escape room or something like that. You know, you, you, you are certain there is an end somewhere. There is, but in just the way to that end, you, you need to do all these different kind of games to actually find the key to get there. But you know, it's, it, you know it is there. That, that's actually, it, it's no, I don't compare the Christian life to the escape room. I do a little bit. <laughs> um, the thing is, the Christian life is the same. We, we know our future. We know there is a way out. We know which way there is. We, we, we even know the key. You know, it's the cross, it's Jesus. We know the key to get there, only in, in, that, in that way, in, in that route we need to take, there will be a lot of different tests. There will be a lot of different things we need to endure. There is a spiritual battle going on. And in some seasons, this is more real than other seasons. So why do we pray something like this? Why does Jesus teach us to pray something like this, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's to, to actually make more sense of, and lead us not into temptation, it's almost like a kid in a shop. And, and as a parent, I'm not a parent, and, but I can imagine that it will be like that. When, when your kid loves sweets, candy, you probably, as a parent, you think about the route to take in, in the shop because you, you don't want, to want them, you don't want the kid to fall in temptation when he sees all these different kind of candy, different kind of sweets. To pray this prayer, lead us not into temptation. I mean, when I have a friendship with someone, another example, and he said to me, you know, Leonard, I've got a big problem with alcohol. I'm not saying to this person, let's talk, let's meet in a pub. <laughs> I'm not saying that, it's, it's, it's putting someone into <laughs> a big temptation, what, what actually, it, it doesn't help this guy. It doesn't help this person. By, by, by actually praying this prayer, lead us not into temptation, is God, you know, 
Jesus actually, uh, to, to, I come back to the point uh, late, Jesus actually came into this moment that he knew God's will before he went on the cross. But he said, please God, please Father, remove this cup from me. You know, I, I, but if it's your will, I will endure it. I will, you know, it's, 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 but he asked it to his father. And that's the same way we can ask sometimes for things like, okay, God, please, please help me to not be led into this temptation. Let, let, lead me another way. But then it, the beginning of the prayer is so important to actually come back. But God, when it's your will, just give me the strength. Just give me the power to endure it. Do we pray that? Or, or do we actually make use of the psychological use of the Bible to just ease situations? Or do we really say, God, if you want me to endure it, just give me the power, just give me the strength. To understand this, it's very important to know who you are and to know what, it, what the world is like. 1 John verse 19 actually says it. If you are a Christian, maybe you're not, but, but still, just listen to it. And it's it, Jesus, I, I want to say to you, he loves you and he, he wants to be this God. You know, he wants to help you in, in your situation. Maybe you struggle in some things. I can only say, I can't, I can't convince you. That's what he does. I only can say he is the answer. But 1 John, verse 19 is, says, we know that we are from God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. It, it's important to have a good understanding what the cross has done in your life. Who are you? What is your identity? And what is your position? What is our position in this world? We are of God, it means nothing less that you are born again. You are brought into a different kingdom. You are brought into a family. You are adopted. You are, actually, like the Bible puts it, you are a new creation. What, what does a new creation mean? It's, it's that, that you actually, you died to yourself. You died to your old self. That's what we... Uh, belief in, in, in baptism, you know, we, we, we as a church, we're so looking forward to our first baptisms. So if you are not baptized yet, but you really put your trust in Jesus, come to us, speak to us. We'd love to baptize you for this one reason, because what we're actually saying when we get baptized, you leave something behind and you say, my kingdom is gone, my will is gone, and from now on, I live in your kingdom, and I live in your will. I want to do your will. I, I leave my will behind. I want to do your will. And we believe that's the best place to be. He wants us, God wants us to live that way. To live in, the kingdom is not yet, but to live in a way that we, that we are part of, I'm a Dutchman, and I'm a part of the Netherlands, but I'm citizen also of the kingdom of God. You know, that, that's where I come from. That's who I am. That gives me identity. It doesn't give me identity to say I'm a Dutchman. It gives me much more identity to say 
I'm saved. I'm saved by Jesus Christ. In him, I'm reconciled to God. In him, I'm called holy. In him, I'm called righteous. It's a call to a holy life and actually a life of worship. Romans says about that, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Is that the desire of your heart in everything that you do, that you say, Lord, I just I want to leave my things behind and I just stand here and everything I do, I just want to worship you. I, I want to do your will. My desire is the desire of your heart. My desire is to make your name famous in this, in this city. Is that our heart? Do we want to live a life of worship to him where we say, Leonard, gone, Jesus it is. It's Jesus in me now. It's not my old desires, my, my, my selfish desires, but it's I want your desire in my heart. I want, your, um, I want just to, to see things in your perspective. What is our view of the world then? So it's important, first of all, to know who you are in Christ. It's so important to know your identity. Because all, if, if, you, if you're not sure about that, if that doesn't give you security, you will always be anxious. You will always, when, when situations come to you, when worry comes to you, you will always have something like, oh, how am I going to handle this? But if you stand in the promise that Jesus gives us, you are forgiven. You are the one uh, I love. You are the one I want to use for in my kingdom. That changes just the way we live. But what is our view then of the world? And I'm going to quote again from uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he's talking about the Christian view of the world. He says the following. Now Christians start with a view of the world that they are not fooled by it nor misled by it. The, the result of this is obvious. Christians have an entirely different view of the world from every other kind of person. Let me put it like this. Christians should not be surprised at all at the state of the world. If, if they are surprised at it, if they have been deluded, that we, that we think, sometimes we can think, oh, but, you know, we live in a Christian nation. We, we believe in Christianizing. If we are deluded by the Christianizing of the world, then they had better examine the Christian doctrine. Know what's happening today is a confirmation of the New Testament teaching. So Christians are not surprised at it. They, they do not expect anything different. And they are not therefore made unhappy by what they see. And, and to, to explain this, especially the last line, we live in a broken world. And we see all these things happening. Even we, we saw it over the last few weeks in Spain. We saw it over... Uh, just over the last years everywhere, just terrorism and, and hate and uh, all these different things. And what he means by it, it's not making us unhappy, it doesn't say that we just 
leave it there and it doesn't do anything with us. No, it, it breaks our hearts. Why? Because it breaks God's heart. You know, of course, we, there is compassion in our hearts that says, we want to see justice. We long for justice. You know, we want to see change in this world. Of course we want. That's our heart. That's our heart's desire to see people being changed. The thing is what he meant here, it doesn't make you unhappy because it doesn't change, um, it, it doesn't change the God's, God's plan, you know. God's plan is not with this world, his plan is with you, his plan is with his church. And of course, we want to be an example to people, we want to reach out and we want to take people in and we want to let them see who Jesus is, that he's a God that loves you. But things, even when there is compassion, it, it shouldn't surprise us. It's the state of the world. It's a broken world that things happen. There is sickness, there is sin, there is a lot of these things. Just, it, it happens. Why? You can't blame the world. Because when people don't know Jesus, that we, we came out of darkness, we are rescued out of darkness, we are brought into the kingdom of light. But, but if we weren't, we were exactly, we're still sinners, you know, we still sin every day, we are not perfect, but our perspective changed. So how to stand firm in this battle? And uh, as a church, Two months ago, oh no, no, two months ago. I speak about two years ago. We did a series on Ephesians and uh, we spoke about the armor of God. And I'm gonna read that to you because it's so important to understand this. How, how do we stand firm in battles? How do we stand firm in this situation, this temptation that comes to us? And it says this, finally, and it's talking about the armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against other people. You know, there's a compassion in our hearts because God loves the world. As we can read, God loves people. He wants to bring them into his family. We don't, do not wrestle with them. but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all, all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. And I mean, you can do different messages on this, this part alone, and it's too short to actually explain all of it. It's only two things are really, really, really important. 
to stand firm, to actually have the power to, to, to avoid temptation, to stand strong, is to read this, to live this, to really chew on it. The Bible speaks about abiding in Christ. Christ said, I am the word, I'm the living word. Read this, you know. We, we often so, we, we try to find all the solutions by just taking up other books. You know, 10 ways to happiness, that kind of things. This is so full of truth. How can we stand firm? It's by knowing this truth. Secondly, God gave us a helper. He sent his Holy Spirit. He said, I don't leave you. Well, when, when he uh, went back to his father, to heaven, he, he didn't say, okay, so just go on and, and, and uh, remember my words. He didn't say that, but he said, I'm gonna give you a helper. And because of this helper, the Holy Spirit, you will be able to live in, in the new identity I have, have given you. The Word and the Holy Spirit, and it works together to really get sense out of what this is about. You just need the power of God to reveal it to you. That's why we pray that so often before we start sharing a message, that Holy Spirit come reveal this truth to us. Maybe when you are in a situation you think, what's going on? God, reveal, reveal your truth to us. How do I need to handle this? Who, what is my identity in you? What do you give me to just fight against this? So important. There was another moment that Jesus he actually, he brought his, almost his, he brought his disciples into this boat. And, um, you know, this is, the disciples spent a lot of time with Jesus. They saw him doing these great miracles. They saw him work in, in wonderful power. And they proclaimed for a few times, you are the son of God. You are the Messiah. You are the one we were waiting for. It's you. They were sure about it. But then Jesus invited them on a boat. And it says this. On the day when the evening had come, he said to them, let us go across the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, and this is this word. And it's, it, it's just the way we often respond. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? Sometimes we are in a storm. Sometimes we are in this battle. Sometimes we just cry out for deliverance. The only thing is, you know, we know Jesus. We know what he has done on the cross. We know that he is the Messiah. We know that he is the one 
uh, that he is the son of God. And the disciples knew that. But you see, they were brought in a situation of just great distress. They were brought in a situation of just fear. And then their response to Jesus was not again, you're the son of God, you're the almighty one. No, it changes. Teacher, Rabbi. It's suddenly, it's brought back. It's the, in, instead of son of God, Messiah, savior, it's suddenly, it's teacher. It's, I'm not so sure who you are at the moment. In situations that come to us in this battle, are you sure who Jesus is? Or is he sometimes just changing to this teacher? Is it, is it in the good moments of life that you think, yeah, you are the son of God, you are the one who rescued me, you are the almighty one. And, and then at the moment that we are in this storm, oh, teacher, what, what's going on? We are frightened. We, we, well, we lost our perspective on who he is. Do we have a right perspective on who God is? God, the one that delivered us out of darkness by dying on the cross. But it's not, it's not just that moment. It's that every day when you wake up, you can pray this prayer. God, lead me not in temptation and deliver me. There are certain things in my life and I just, my longing is to live a holy life. Like you say, and I want to say, I want to present my body as a living sacrifice. I want to do everything in just worshiping you and I'm not perfect, but my heart desire is to just live holy and pleasing to you. Do we have a right perspective when storms come to us? There's another story I wanna tell you. And I, I told it before, if I can't find it quickly, I'm just gonna start. It's, it's about, the, in Daniel, it's telling this story about Nebuchadnezzar, the king. And uh, what he actually said is, everyone in this nation should bow down to this this golden god, this, this god. And when the, when the music is playing, what we do as a whole nation, everyone will hear it. Also, when, when we hear this music, we just fall on our knees to, to bow down to these idols. And there were f- a few Jews, a few men, friends of Daniel, that were given the authority in the province. And Nebuchadnezzar heard from someone Hey, you know, these guys, they just totally ignore you. They don't bow down to these gods. When the music is playing, they, they just ignore it. And he was, he was so angry with them, Every, everything in them. There was just, if they don't do it, I'm going to throw them into this blazing fire. I'm going to throw them into this furnace. So he asked these guys to come to him, and he said, when the music is playing, you're going to bow down to these idols. And they said to him, we're not. We're not. And this is their response. Because he said, okay, then, then I'm going to throw you in the furnace. And they, sa- they say, that's fine. We believe that our God is able 
to save us. He's able to deliver us. And even if he does not, we're still not going to worship your idols. Still our God is glorious. Still our God is the one who has our priority. He's still our number one in life. Who, who, who are you? And it, it, it's challenging for me as well, but who are you? Are you the one who says in a storm, teacher, what's going on? Just lost our security in who he is. Or are we the one that says in situations, you know, even when he doesn't deliver me out of this situation, he is still worthy. I'm still not gonna fall. I'm still not gonna bow down to these other things. I'm, not, I'm still not gonna fall in, this t- in these temptations that the world is offering me. I'm still gonna look at God and I expect him to save me, but even if he doesn't. Who are you? How is our response? How is our attitude towards God? I'm not, sure, I'm not sure how your life looks like today. The only thing I want to say to you this morning, because of the cross of Jesus, you are delivered. If you trust him, if you put your trust in him, he saved you. You are free. But not for that moment. He wants you to live like that. He wants you to experience that total liberty. We are called liberty. And the world around us offers us many ways to be free. But we believe that true freedom, true deliverance is found in Jesus. And not for only a moment, but every day when you struggle in life, when you see situations that you think, how am I going to get through this? He wants to deliver you. But how... How is your attitude towards towards God? What is your perspective on him at that moment? Are you the one who says, Lord, I I just want to glorify you. There's nothing else, even when you don't take me out of this situation. Please give me the strength. Give me the power to endure it. Because I know that when, when I get through this, when I get through this situation, I know my future, I'm sure about my future, but when I get through it, it will build up faith. I'm putting my trust in you, Jesus. I know that you are the answer to every situation. I'm not falling into these temptations. I'm trusting you. Who are you? What is your response? What is your attitude? And there is, you know, we're not perfect. We are people that just spend this time on earth growing into our knowledge of this truth, growing into our relationship with this Jesus. But he's here today. When you struggle with things in life, when, we, when you struggle with maybe with sickness or other things, we believe that God can deliver you. We believe that he can heal you. We believe that he can bring a change in your situation. And we love to pray for you. We love to pray for you. We, we love to help you in this and stand with you and say, yeah, let's focus on Jesus together. Just think about that. Think maybe you, you have a lot of temptations or you struggle just with this one big sin in your life and you can't deal with it. And you believe, you trust that Jesus died on the cross for you. Just, just come. He wants, to, he, he wants to change you. He don't want to let you there and, and just struggle to it to the end. But he's there today to make a change in your life. 
Let's, let's stand together, and I'm going to give it to Matt. He's going to lead us in communion. But before that, let's just stand and pray and ask him to come. Lord, we want to come to you, Lord. We want to come to the one who delivered us, who delivered us out of darkness and brought us into light. The one who changed our lives forever. Lord, we, we, we come to you, Lord, and we want to come to you with this perspective, this right perspective on who you are, Jesus that you are the savior, that you are the king of kings, that you are the one who rules and reigns. We wanna have a right perspective on you. We wanna be that people that say, we, we, we know that you will deliver us. We know it. And even when, when, when you don't, you're, you're still worthy. You're still worthy of all glory and praise. Lord, let us be that, that people, Lord. Let us be that people that put that trust in you completely, that, we, that are totally dependent on you, that people that say, here I am, God. I'm just, I'm just here as a, a living sacrifice. Use me. It's not, no longer me, but it's you that reigns in me. Lord, come and speak to us today. Speak to us in this week when there are maybe certain situations that that trouble us. I just pray for your power, your work in us to change it. Lord, and that our perspective will be changed and will be focused on you, the Almighty One. Amen.